Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world, one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Welcome to Expansion Cast. Today on the show, I have Jeremy Lee Shubb. Jeremy is a sex therapist, sexological body worker, sex positive educator. He's a group facilitator and an author. And as you can imagine, our podcast today is going to be about sex and uh, and Jeremy's book. So here we go. So hey, Jeremy, welcome to Expansion Cast. Um, it's great to have you here today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, just to our audience, we might have some audio things happening, but uh, we're going to do our best and work through this. Jeremy is in Australia, and he has put out a book called Sex Positive Now, and we're going to talk about that today. So Jeremy, tell us a little bit more about Sex Positive Now, how it came about. Uh, So four years ago, um, I was a part of a group of sex therapists in Melbourne, uh, Society of Australian Sexologists. And we had Janet Hardy come talk to our group. She wrote a wonderful book um, called The Ethical Slut, which is quite famous uh, in some groups. Okay. And she was talking about a whole lot of different things and she just used the term sex positive. And I put my hand up and I said, uh, what is that? And someone in the group said, oh, everyone knows what that is. Um, so I went home and did some research, you know, kind of looked online and asked my friends and everyone, my friends like, oh yeah, we kind of got intuitive sense of what that is. And we kind of excited about it. We don't actually know what it is. Mm. And I looked around and noticed that there was no book called sex positive or about sex positivity. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just write the first book about this. And um, that was the beginning. And then I'd written another book, which I didn't like so much. So I decided that my second book would be better written. And I'd realized that uh, I like writing with other people. Mm-hmm. And so I asked some of my friends if they'd like to write a book with me. And they all said no. And then I was looking online and there's a place, there was a place in America called the Center for Sex Positivity in Seattle. So I wrote to them and said, hey, I'm go- I want to do this thing. Do you know anyone who'd like to do that with me? And uh, the person who received the email was the manager, whose name was Elena Gobosh. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, she'd like to. Yeah. So uh, the two of us began a collaboration. We've never met. I've never met her, uh, but we've had weekly or daily meetings for the last three years to work on this project. And yeah, we created a book. So it's now published. We've got book launched about a week or a couple of weeks ago. And now we're doing tours and doing promotion and doing podcasts like this. And yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about what sex positive now actually means. Uh, so it's interesting. And even in the three years, it's changed. And this is what happens when you write a book is it's a slow process. Um, so just briefly, I mean, the book itself is 55 different contributors 
pretty much from every continent um, on this planet um, of very inclusive and diverse people of abilities and races and professions and many, many perspectives. And they all wrote, you know, a 1500 word or so, uh, how they saw sex positivity. And I, myself and Elena also wrote mini essays about how we see sex positivity. So for me, very simply, it's a notion that sex can be healthy, fun, natural, it can be sacred, it can be healing, it can be recreational. Sometimes people describe it as the opposite of what we're in. We're basically in a sex negative culture where sex is seen as dirty, wrong, shameful, guilty, and should only be done with certain people at certain times in certain places in certain ways with certain anatomies. So in part, it, it, you know, it's the opposite of that, um, but it's really saying, you know, this can be pleasurable and fun and good. So, a, so I guess what's the benefit of sex positive now? Like who's, who, who in society might be seeing some benefits from a movement like this? Good question. Uh, it's too easy to say everyone, so I won't. Um, so I'll do kind of group by group. Like I think young people, when I start talking to them about sex positivity, they're really excited. And I think because their they're little spongy brains are more open to ideas and so they can go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I've started having experiences with myself and others. And um, thanks for giving me permission to just continue doing that because I think young people, the younger generations have a much easier access to a positive and self-positive experience. Mm -hmm. And then um, I work as a sex therapist. So I'm daily having encounters with people who are, you know, limited, uh, fearful, um, guilty, shameful about experiences they are having or want to have with people. And the sex positive movement is saying you're allowed to do that. You know, what consenting adults do with each other is is good and fine. That's fine. You know, even things are strange and kinky or um, if they're vanilla or whatever they are or, with you know, people with same anatomy or different anatomy, mm -hmm. um, this is good. So, yeah, so for adults it's important. And I think uh, for educators it's important. For counsellors and mental health professionals, it's important. And generally in society, you know, I, I hope originally we had a, a wish to in, um, get a contribution from politicians also. Um, so I would like that the political people could also get that sex can be good for us. Mm -hmm. So what drew you into the sex field? Like, were you feeling limited or stagnant or what was your story? That, that's another good question. Thanks for these great questions. I like it. I like answering questions. Um, so when, I don't know, from sort of teenhood onwards, and I'm now 48, um, sex was really confusing and difficult uh, and distressing. I born a really sexual being and I've always been that and, and living in a society where that was frowned upon. I mean, there were times when people were seen as nymphomaniacs, now they're seen as sex addicts. I don't actually think either of those things are true. Uh, but yeah, you know, just high libido, high desire, and was often engaging with people who were really different from that. And it was that was confusing and upsetting. Mm -hmm. uh, and managing my own desire and arousal and sexuality was a, was a project that I took on as a, as a person who was interested in personal development. And then eventually I got enough learning and went to enough workshops and so enough therapists where I was like, ah, oh, look, I'm, I'm comfortable in this myself. 
And so I felt like I could reach out a hand to those people who were uh, distressed or upset or challenged by uh, their sexuality and, and needing support with that. So it was through you know, my own darkness and my own shadow work and my own distress that I ended up being able to support other people. And then ultimately this project, the, the Sex Positive Now book, Right. So some a big part of uh, expansion cast is showing your, I guess, your vulnerability and and really diving deep into maybe your shadow and sharing that, uh, so that people can relate and see, you know, really what kind of results can come about by a a sex positive attitude. Yeah, and um, that is great. I'm you know I'm I'm glad that you're doing this work in the world, and I'm and. I really like to be authentic and genuine, and I know that to be vulnerable is a part of that. Uh, my edge right now, you know, is that I was married in a monogamous relationship to a woman, a heterosexual relationship for a long time, mm-hmm. and then that ended about three years ago, and so now it's the coming out of all the things I'm coming out as, and one of the things is what is queerness? You know, what 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 am I, what's it like for me to have sexual experiences with um, same gender people and opposite gender people and no gender trans and non-binary people and people with different anatomies. Um, so that's that's my edgy growing learning place is to evolve and expand from being heterosexual and monogamous and married uh, into being queer and poly and kinky and slutty and pansexual. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly... Um, and non-binary in there as a bonus. So um, constantly having to show up and be honest and express myself and change my identity out of one thing into something that's actually not socially as acceptable. Um, yeah, that's my that's my edge. I, I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that's, yeah, so that's what I am. Was your darkness you being um, stuck in a hetero uh, relationship? Uh, I think there's, there's many, many shadows and clouds (laughs) and many darknesses. Um, there were good things about that and there were, there were not good things about that. I think that actually rolling back was, um, poor mental health of anxiety and depression in my twenties. Uh, I am a PTSD survivor. I was in a very, you know, catastrophic car accident. Um, when I was in my 20s and that led me to about a decade of suicidality and depression and grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's been dark. The, the sexuality part was yeah, being a really sexual person and always being shamed for that. So that, that um, that gives a context to the sex positivity now. But um, yeah, there's been lots of waves and end up now as a, as a therapist is, is, is such a, a joy because I, I get to support other people and my mental health is really positive, really stable and, and thriving now. Mm-hmm. So do you still come across, like you, you talk about, you still have some edges, but you still bump into fear and shame once in a while? Ah, yeah, often, always, constantly. <laughs> I, I am just a, a little humble, messed up human like all the people I work with and my friends. Uh, 
I've learned good strategies uh, to deal with the fear. And so fear now to me is a signpost. Like it's like if the, if the fear says the signs that way, I go that way. I go toward it. You know, I used to run from it. Yeah, but I have yeah. a whole lot more courage now and I have a whole lot more strategies now and, and a whole lot of experience that says, ah, you know, the, the, the perception of fear is worse than the fear. So just step into it. Um, and shame, yeah, constantly. I'm, I'm constantly finding the places that I'm ashamed of within me of things I want to experience with myself and others. Uh, and again, it's a courage just to say to someone, hey, I'd really like you to do this thing with me. Can we do that? And can we negotiate that? And and they may say, no, I don't want that. That's weird. Or they might go, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice to be able to speak your desires openly, isn't it? Uh, it's nice and scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, <laughs> and you know, it's an expansion and it's an evolution, definitely. And at times, you know, I will hit other people's shame and fear and then... Um, and I have to use good words and, and, and clear words to try and communicate where we are and what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful place to be. And but So where do you see this movement going? What, like, I think I watched a video a while ago about one fellow who said that he was starting the Sex Positive Now movement um, on a YouTube video. I don't remember who he was. But... Um, so I don't know how long this has been around, but where, where does it go? Where is this going? Yeah. Uh, there is a chapter in the book about, you know, the future of sex positivity. It's hard, you know, like if I look at the macro version of this globe uh, and particularly a country that's kind of close to your country uh, where there's some very conservative politics, um, you know, I do lose hope at times. Um, and then... You know, and same in this country, there's some conservative politicians currently who are transphobic or homophobic um, and slut shaming, and it worries me. I, you know, Elena and I are activists, we're sex positive activists, and we're banging this drum really loudly to the people close and further away from us to say, um, please consider that, that, that pleasure is okay. So we're pleasure activists as well. So. I, I have a hope again, like I said, for the, uh, the upcoming generations that they come into a world where they can be okay with their pleasure and other people's pleasure. You know, and I think the the marriage equality, which you know I think was big in the North American continent and and in Europe and has been in Australia, gives me some hope that we can um, accept and celebrate that people have different attractions. So I think there's small shifts. I think there is a large shift that needs to happen around pleasure. Um, you know, I used to be a high school educator and I went and got my master's in sexual health from Sydney University because I wanted to go back into schools and do sex education and not just the um, fear version of you'll get an STI or you'll get pregnant, but a version which is like, hey, this is fun and good and pleasure's okay. But I realized after I did my training that... <laughs> The schools are actually very conservative places and they don't really want to talk about pleasure. But, yeah, I'm banging a big drum for pleasure. You know, I, I, I want people to have permission for pleasure and explore pleasure. So, do you so f- I do sex education. Yeah, do you find that um, you want people to explore pleasure and in that exploring, a big part of that, I think, is um, 
establishing really clear communication. And I think that's a big thing that hasn't been done in society is being open yes. to that communication. Yeah. Well, in parallel to the work we're doing, there are also people who are saying we live in a rape culture. We need to live in a consent culture. And there's a great book about that um, I read recently. So I, I run workshops. Um, I give talks. Um, I've just come out of a festival in Melbourne. And then there was the week before it was another sex positive festival. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to talk to as many people as possible about what is possible for them and helping people to communicate better, definitely around consent and boundaries. Uh, I ran a workshop called Asking What You Want. So uh, I'm doing my bit, and I think hopefully we're having some influence on other people. There does seem to be a rising tide of different programs around the world and different festivals around the world. I know that um, Europe just had their first sex-positive festival, although they have other sex festivals. This was one was called Sex Positive uh, you know, Berlin, uh, San Francisco, Amsterdam, you know, these are really becoming centers where there's a growing number of people who, who are pushing for sex positivity. Yeah, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I'd be pushing too. Um, because, I, I, you know, I feel that, actually, let me back up here, because I want to, I want to maybe be the devil's advocate and say, you know, all this wildness, this, this craziness, this, um, this non-traditional approach to sexual gratification would increase overall STI numbers. What would you say to somebody like that? Look, it, it's absolutely true. Um, I know in Australia that um, with gay men, with PrEP, um, that people are not using barriers and they're having bareback sex and the rates of gonorrhea and syphilis are going up um on the other side though uh let's say more in, in a hetero world is when people can speak more about desire and attraction um and about sex and they can talk about safer sex and negotiate with other people you know this is what i this is my sexual history and these are the people that i've had sex with and what kind of barriers do you want to use and and you know what what's on the table and what's off the table so um, there's still a massive stigma currently about people just talking about sex. And I want to break that down and just say we're allowed to talk. About, even before doing it, we're allowed to talk about it. But for some people, just saying the word sex is hard. So, yeah, I think freeing things up is going to be disruptive in some ways. We saw that in the 70s with hippies and the sexual revolution and um, the establishment freaked out because they thought everyone's going to tune in what is it, turn on, tune in and drop out or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought there was going to be a, uh, a rebellion, <laughs> an anarchy. Um, I think people might end up being happier. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's less needing to consume things, less greedy, maybe kinder to the earth, kinder to each other, um, happier, you know, less mental health issues, maybe less need for medication of people, more connection in the world, more, more unity. So, you know, I really think that SDI rates would go down, though. I think once the communication's up and people are really open and non-judgmental about uh, all this stuff, that uh, they'll start going down because people will be able to have, you know, they know the cards that are on the table. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, say um, herpes, 
Uh, I know there's a herpes activist in America whose name I can't think of right now. Um, and, you know, she contracted that infection early. And now because she can be with partners and say, hey, I've got this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I'm shedding, we shouldn't do this thing, but we can do this thing. Whereas currently, I think society has stigmatized STIs. I don't think they're actually that bad now that we have treatments of like penicillin and things. Uh, I'm not including the bloodborne things like HIV, um, mm. which I think is a whole other category. Uh, but most of the things that are like skin conditions, like the virus and the bacteria STIs, uh, I think is actually a part of slut shaming and sex negativity. Can you, uh, let's go deeper into that. Sex negativity, slut shaming. Well, it, I was said, uh, if you get a, like, if you got a flu, I wouldn't shame you. You wouldn't be ashamed of having the flu. You'd just be like, oh, I just got an infection. You know, mm -hmm. this is some virus or bacteria. Uh, but if I told you that I had uh, syphilis, um, you might, you know, shame me for being dirty or having, being promiscuous or having unprotected sex or something. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, there's a difference between what, a, you know, similar infections, um, but just one happens on our genitals and happens when we're doing sexual activities with people. Uh, flus can be transmitted by sneezing on someone. There's no shame in that. No. So um, have you had your experiences with STIs? Yeah, that's a great question. I have actually never had an STI and I have regular checks. I have um, uh, uh, different uh play partners, sexual partners, and I go to play parties. So I'm constantly mm -hmm. going, there's a clinic in Melbourne where I go and I have three monthly checks. Um, I've not had an STI that I know of. Uh, I generally practice safe sex, which is with barriers, uh, but also with lots of conversations with people. So if I have a new partner, I'll talk a lot about my history and their history and who their current lovers are and my current lovers and what we want to do with barriers and what we don't. So there's a lot of talk about that, a lot of negotiation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying to you now or anyone who listens, don't use barriers. Like I, I, they're good at times for different things, for different people who have different circumstances. But, the, the, you know, the world is shifting a lot about how we do prevent uh, pregnancies and how we do prevent getting STIs and um, how we do have pleasure. The whole idea of what sex is has changed, I think. Mm -hmm. And I talk to, the, to people a lot about this. Like it's not just penis in vagina, heterosexual intercourse. There's many, many things that all sorts of different people can have with each other, with their bodies that are sexual or with words or with thoughts or online, you know, like what is sexy, sexual, sensual uh, is different now than it used to be. You know, I read, I was, I'm reading a book, um, Meta Sex Manifesto. Have you ever read that? No, that sounds great. It's very interesting. It's from 1976. And I found it at a friend's house. She's got probably 2,000 books, and she, she I don't think she's even read it. And I found this book, and I asked right. her if I could borrow it. And I'm, it's all short stories. And yep. the one was uh, this woman who she's talking about, um, I guess, divine energy, that uh, sexual energy, and how, how um, we can, through a whole bunch of partners, increase this whole energy energetic uh, presence and yeah so her desire was to have i think about 20 men and women in a circle around her having sex while she just stood there feeling the energy and, yeah beautiful you know and that was in in the 70s mm. in the essay in the book 
that I wrote, I have been telling, uh, saying that people's house parties, their play parties, sex parties at people's houses are really at the forefront of sex positivity. And I've been to amazing events recently where we've had rituals similar to that um, or, um, you know, like a, a situation set up where you have like a, almost like a menu and you can kind of choose off the menu of experiences you want to have and then you kind of match your desires up with someone else's who's at the party and, and negotiate um, what kind of things can happen. So, yeah, I, that, that's where I see is the, definitely the leading edge and, the, uh, and a hotbed of sex, sex positivity around me is these uh, play parties. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, I went to my first one a couple of years ago. And mm. yeah, it was interesting. Pushed some of my edges. Yeah. Yeah. No, it can be that. It takes a while to get used to. And sometimes needs a bit of training and support to get there or afterwards. I know I've been tripped up at different parties by being triggered by things that I've seen or uh, or just emotions of feeling excluded or inadequate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think triggers can be useful for our growth as well. Yeah, yeah, because you can look into that trigger and see you know, something much deeper that uh, was hurt maybe years ago and mm. open up, open yourself up for some healing, yeah. Yeah, well, one of the first parties I went to, I left in tears because it triggered my teenage self who'd been really felt excluded or um, not skilled in how to relate or how to be intimate with people. My 48-year-old mm -hmm. self is really good at relating to people and articulating my needs um, and being intimate with people. Uh, but yeah, it, it hurt to bump into that teenage Jeremy who was really not good at, at saying what I wanted and, and really horny and just without any skills. Let's talk about um, some of the offerings that you have that you're doing, like the workshops that you're doing and how, is it just in Australia or, is, or are you moving across the globe? Uh, I'm currently in Melbourne and I work nationally um, throughout this country. And then in June of next year, I'm moving to Amsterdam. So I'm going to be looking at um, doing more things in Europe, uh, having Amsterdam as a base and moving around there. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, I'm really excited by what's happening in Amsterdam, Berlin. Um, but currently, yeah, I run, it's probably like 20 or so different workshops I run. They're mainly, mainly around sex and relationships. And last two weeks I've run... Uh, what did I do this weekend? There's one on uh, alternative relationship styles. Uh, I did a self-pleasure workshop, which was really fun. There was 40 people in the room um, pleasuring themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I ran a workshop on erotica. Um, I do kink things, so I do spanking and flogging. Yeah, they're, they're the kind of things I do a lot of. Um, and then occasionally I do more things of, like asking for what you want, or uh, bodywork things, so couples to do touch with each other, to sensual erotic touch. So if you were 16 years old and looking at your future self today, what do you think the 16-year-old would have said? <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> On your show? My 16-year-old self would have gone, fucking yeah, like, wow, Jeremy, look, you know, look what you've become because I was so scared and shut down and confused uh and yeah i've i've definitely in a path of alignment now like this is flowing really easily because i'm saying yes i'm being brave and courageous um when i was 16 there was a radio a national government radio uh, kind of youth radio station in australia that was amazing it was very um progressive 
and I lis- I've listened to it all my life. And then last year, I actually got to be on the radio um, talking about anal sex and um, on a relationship sex program. So yeah, my 16-year-old is really fucking thrilled to uh, be that. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, look, one of the things that we're really proud about with the book is the diversity and inclusion. Um, so, you know, there's voices as a writer from Kenya. Uh, it was really exciting to have an African voice in there. Um, you know, there are parents who have written, um, trans folk, queer folk, sex workers, sex therapists, uh, people of different abilities, um, educate, like we, we, we really wanted to hit all the spots, uh, for inclusion. And that's something that I'm proud about in the book. It's not just me, you know, ranting for 200 pages about what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'd love to do. Uh, but it, yeah, it's just trying to get as many voices as possible. And the people who are reading the book, are, that's what they're noticing is that you can just pick it up and you don't need to read it cover to cover, but you can flick through and just find the voices that resonate for the reader. And and that's really wonderful. So what was, um, I guess, what was one of your most inspiring things that have happened to you in your life around sex positiveness? Hmm. I, I really have to say this book because before the book launch, I was very stressed and nervous to do the launch in Melbourne. In, and, in what in what uh, way, I guess? What way? Uh, it was like I, I, I had to, you know, front out. <laughs> I was the public face to a thing. Um, I mean, most of the people around me know I, I'm, I'm always talking about sex. Um, but my family were coming to the book launch. Uh, you know, both my parents were there. So... I was a bit nervous to be judged uh, and rejected and criticised. Mm-hmm. But I um, near where I live is a labyrinth. It was a full moon and there was a night before and I walked the labyrinth and I saw that not only was I birthing the book, you know, a very painful labour and gestation, um, but the book was birthing me, you know, so it's pushed me out and forward into the world as a leader and as a teacher, uh, as an educator and therapist. And I'm having contact with people in Europe, uh, with people in the North American continent. Um, you know, in particular, uh, one of my heroes, Annie Sprinkle. I don't know if you know her, um, but she, you know, uh, you know, did porn and then did theatre, and um, is now an activist. And a, she created a thing called Ecosexuality. So to have contact with her and to have her in the book was quite a thrill. Of like, oh wow, you know, I'm in contact with one of my heroes, this person who inspires me. Um, to be free and to be liberated and to have pleasure. Yeah, that's a sweet place to be. Yeah, it's very exciting. So what's next? What What do you think is next? Is it just um, exploring whatever's opening up for you, uh, moving into whatever your desire is? Yeah, there's different levels. There's an individual level where uh, I'm having more sexual experience with people and also in some ways less. Like I also becoming more discerning in what I want to do. So in the past, I used to say yes to a whole lot of things that I wasn't that into and tolerated some things. Um, now, there are some people who say, hey, would you know, would you like to be intimate? And I'm like, well, no, I I don't want to because I'm not attracted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, my I'm very passionate about self-pleasure. So uh, I've just started a self-pleasure Facebook group for a group of people to have a in December to have a daily accountability and check-ins about a daily practice of self-pleasure. 
so that that's quite big in my life and that's expanding who I am. I've got yeah, definitely the moving to Europe is going to be really big. I want to be involved in more festivals. I want to do more therapy. I also do a thing called sexological body work. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so sex board, I've, I'm trained in and I'm really passionate about, and I want to do more of that work with people because I think that's very cutting edge to have my hands on people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I've also started doing a thing called sacred intimate, which is um, somewhere between sort of sex bod and sex work, where it's like having two-way touch with people and sexual experiences with people as for healing and for learning, uh, which is quite edgy for me because I didn't always see myself as a sex worker and being nearly 50 and starting my sex work career is pretty unusual. Um, but I think that we can learn, you know, that's a, a kind of faster and deeper way to learn is actually through our bodies. Right. So how, do, how does it work? Sexological body work? Yes. Okay. Uh, so sex bod, um, it has sort of like the form in which I was taught, which is quite structured. Um, so when I do sessions like that, a person comes to where I work, uh, we sit on the couch, we do a creative collaboration conversation about what why they're there and what kind of experience they might like to have. Uh, for a lot of people, that's them on a, ta- on a massage table, uh, clothing optional, so um, often naked. Mm-hmm. And generally people want to learn something about themselves. So often we'll do mapping, so that can be genital mapping. Um, so my hands on their body or their hands on their body also. Uh, for them to learn about their uh, arousal, their um, pleasure places, what's erotic for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be for um, cis men or women, uh, trans people, non-binary people. Uh, That can be external touch or internal um, with the anus or with the vagina. Um, And that's very very transformative work. Um, Like I've worked with... um, cis women who have never seen their vulva before so that I can get a mirror and a head torch. Um, people who are having touch experiences with my hands they've never had before, uh, permission to touch themselves, so learning about how to pleasure themselves. Um, you know, a lot of people are told in early age not to do that, so you know, overcoming shame and getting permission and joy from their own touch and their own bodies. Uh, but really, uh, you know, I, I like a form of sexological body work where the person shows up and... and we negotiate and so sometimes there are experiences that um, I hadn't anticipated. Um, I had a person come for a session where I have a packer. Do you know what a packer is? It's a no. synthetic uh, prosthetic uh, penis designed for trans men to wear in their underwear. Okay. And this was uh, a woman, uh, a cis woman, and she wanted to have the packer in her pants and she wanted to have the experience of what it was like to... Um, basically have a penis um, and that was what she wanted in the in the sexological bodywork session and it was really really profound for her to have that experience so she got to start looking at her gender so what was her transformation well acceptance of self and you know she had 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 a lot of shame about her uh, body and about her desires to kind of uh how do we say it? like have a more intimacy and more acceptance of herself and to more permission about uh considering her gender uh so she'd seen herself as 
uh, cisgendered woman, but it turns out, you know, that, that there was a lot more complicated than that. And she had to, we had to unpack that while she, you know, had her hand on this packer. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah. And, and that's just one. I mean, I, I also work with couples. So uh, as a lesbian couple I've been working with for a year and I don't have my hands on them uh, with the work we do is their hands on each other and they're learning erotic massage with each other. They're learning about um, uh, hand sex. Uh, they're learning about oral sex. They're learning, learning about anal sex. Um, um, they often laugh at me because they tease me that I'm a lesbian expert because um, they are lesbians. <laughs> um, and sometimes I say, well, I, I probably know more about your anatomy than you do. And it, and it turns out often that I do because I'm very geeky about anatomy of, of genitals. Mm -hmm. um, so know quite a lot about people's bodies and sometimes more than people do themselves. Probably quite often more. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I, I know quite a lot about, um, yeah, the structure of genitalia. It's just, that's my, <laughs> that's my geeky, kinky edge is to know <laughs> that stuff. So tell me, how long is a session typically? Uh, I normally do... Like the minimum I do is an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, I've started doing three-hour sessions with people, which I really prefer because then we can just you know settle in, figure out what we want to do, do that, and then also have quite a leisurely checkout on the way out. Yeah, so that uh, three hours is, is is a good amount of time. An hour and a half it, it works, uh, but I, I like to have more. So are you doing DR? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't use that expression, but it's probably what I do. And I think a lot of people use that expression in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, anything from, you know, words to touch to whole bodies to genitalia. Um, some people are calling it tantric dearmoring, somatic. Um, I think we're all individual little snowflakes and I think all the armor we have is all different and we all have armor and masks. Um, how we remove them and de-armor them, I think needs to be customized to each person. So I, I, I will probably never promote myself as doing de-armoring, but I do do that often. Mm -hmm. So tell me about, um, I guess, how people can get a hold of you if uh, they want to sign up for maybe some self-pleasure yep. courses or something. Yeah, I'm really easy to find um, on Facebook and I have a website. So Facebook, my name is my name, which is Jeremy Shubb. Uh, actually, that's Jeremy Lee Shub. Um, and then I, my website is jeremyshub.com. Um, I'm easy to find there. I'm also on Insta. And my uh, the book is website is called Sex Positive Now, and people can buy the books online, and we, we post it out. And there's also a Kindle version of the book available also if people want to um, read it on a device. Nice, nice. Thank you for being here, Jeremy. It's been a good conversation. I'm sure we could talk about a lot more. Yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I really love talking about sexuality and relationships and sex positivity. And I'm grateful for you for this opportunity, but also, you know, to, to, to the offering that you're making to the world. Uh, I know podcasts often take a lot of editing and a lot of work to do. So um, thank you for mm -hmm. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.